Welcome to the Leader's Den Podcast, where we will give you insights about all facets of leadership. Join Tilan Lagirsa, leader, coach, and mediator, as she speaks with leaders and experts from all over the globe who open up and share their personal stories, reflections, and practical wisdom from their own amazing, at times challenging and rewarding, leadership journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Leaders' Den podcast. And I'm absolutely excited to be talking to Kira Marie Moore, who has been a mentor for me for many years. I think she doesn't even know how, for how long. It must have been six years ago that I met her. And Kira Marie is the CEO of at least two businesses, one a million-dollar coach and one global decision. And she has been for me, an example of global leadership. She's met with all the great leaders in the world, including Richard Branson, and she has taken global leadership to a different level because she is global. And I would really like you to tell a little bit more about yourself, Kiri Marie, what you want to share uh, before we dive into what you think leadership is all about, and that's what we want to talk about. In essence, um, how can we better be, be better leaders? Well, firstly, thank you for the privilege of always um, having a voice. I think that is really important as a leader, that we have a voice no matter whether we agree or don't agree. I think that we need to have conversations. So I'm excited about doing this podcast with you today because it's a conversation that we can talk about one of my favorite topics, leadership. You know, and, and as global, traveling the world and, you know, representing, I guess, humanity in global leadership, it has been an interesting journey and happy to share how that looks and how that kind of has, you know, made a difference, I guess, in what I'm doing and what I'm seeing and then hoping will change as we continue to see what's happening across global leadership. So, Although, yes, I've been with Richard Branson, some amazing people. Uh, Richard Branson's been one of my mentors, and I think it's always good to keep surrounding yourself by amazing people who stretch you, take you to new levels, and really don't give you an excuse to hide in, in the status quo. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And I think what I'm so excited about with this podcast as well is that I really like the global aspect of it. And it is so important to have diversity and have leaders from all, not all industries, but all uh, ethnicities and cultural backgrounds. And so one of the things you said was that it's really important to have a voice. And, and that's one of my favorite things as well. <laughs> can you expand a little bit more about that and how can leaders find their voice and how can they help others find their voice? Yeah, I love this. I think that there's this, this understanding that uh, if we even use the example of, oh, you got to go to work and it's nine to five. Whoever decided that nine to five was the thing to do, right? We get stuck in our conditionings or biases and leadership is not immune to it. And I think that, you know, it is so easy for us to go, this is how leadership should be, this is where leadership's going, and I don't like it, we're going to keep doing it because that's just how we do leadership. No, I'm fully behind going, how can we look at the patterns of the past, and a lot of it's been 
people who have not had a voice or had a voice and done it the wrong way and then going, how can we disrupt what's happening across global leadership and change the results to what can be going forward, right? And I think the best way to do that is by looking at creating what I call sustainable, scalable growth ecosystems in your culture, in your company or business. Yeah. yeah. And I think what I see often is that, that leaders do not have those role models of, of how it is to, to have a voice and to give a voice. And when you are in a culture, and I think that's a bit my face as well as a mediator, I'm often working in, in cultures where, where there is not a good culture. And, yeah. and to, to uh, how do you think people can find that? And if they don't really have the role models that... Um, mm-hmm. I love that. And that's one of my favourites, right? If they don't have the role model, guess who can be the role model? You and me. And I think that the exciting thing about that is that it can be just one... Uh, you know, I'm kind of on this tangent at the moment where I am keep telling clients, what is the one thing you can do to shift 1% of where what I call the new humanity, culture of humanity is going. In other words, we've got what was humanity before. How do we now change what is happening with humanity going forward? So in leadership, how do we change the lenses we're using going forward? Don't just go back to what was the conditioning, the biases that people said were uh, rules, systems, regulations, but what if we had different lenses to look through And we began to ask questions and have conversations with the right people at the right tables. How would that change what, you know, leadership would look like going forward? And I think those are the things that we need to look at. Or otherwise, in five years' time, ten years' time, people are going to go, why did they make those rules, regulations and systems in place? Because it doesn't relate to them or what is happening. And the more I travel through the world, the more I realise whatever culture, whatever environment, whatever organisation, that we don't all, like I know less and less about the world, right? And the only way we are going to make the right choices and decisions in that place is if we're willing to have tables with different people at those tables and different thinkings at those tables and ask questions with the right lenses. Absolutely. And I think also what, what I've learned through my work throughout the globe is that actually people are very much the same as well. We have so much in common and that whole humanitarian approach is, yeah. uh, I love that as a humanitarian and for a human <laughs> rights lawyer. I, I, I it, it kind of tickles the right spot, right? Yeah. Look, yeah listen, listen to this one. I get that we need more gender rights i don't actually think we do i think we need more human rights we need humanity sticking together see if we are strong males and we don't have the strong females then the females are not going to step up to what they're meant to do if we have strong females but not the strong males so it's less about this gender issue and more about a humanity issue and that i think as leaders we have to if we go back to your question about the role models Maybe no one is out there role modeling what you're meant to be doing or saying or the voice that you're meant to bring to the table. You can do that. And that's what, I mean, honestly, that's what I've had to work on a lot over these last, particularly last year, but the last two years going, how do I create this new going forward that people may not have heard of before? 
Um, but start tickling what maybe is interesting to them and go, we could do that. And it might be just one thing. Absolutely. So basically what you're saying, it starts with you. So if you don't have a great role model, then this is this is a great day and age because you can find so much on the internet, wherever you are in this world, and then you can start practicing and role modeling yourself. Because one of the things, it's so easy to point fingers in directions of other people, but that's also what I say as well. If you want the world to be a better place, it starts with you and with you seeing the human in everyone else. And, um, and I love that. So for... For, for those who are listening and who's, who don't have a role model, be your own role, role model and do what's right. But that sounds so easy and so big, right? But reality is, and this is what I bring it down to, we need awareness first. We don't even know it's not a problem if we don't know it's a problem, right? Yes. And I don't think that there's any excuse for this now in the world that we're living in. There's so much access to finding out and being aware to situations if you look. Then it's about taking responsibility. And that's got to be a whole different ball game. You know, it's like this is the fun part. This is the part we can innovate new ways. Like if we're going to disrupt a pattern, we're going to innovate something new. And that's kind of exciting and scary at the same time because it's hard work sometimes. Um, but it's exciting because then you know something different can happen and will happen. And and, and that, like, like you were saying before about the nine to five, that involves creative thinking, thinking outside the box and having the right people at the table. That's something that the UN had to work on very, very hard because uh, if you do peace negotiations, for instance, and you have the wrong people at the table, you're, you're not going to get sustainable results and, and real change. So, yeah. Unbelievable. And we have, to be honest, there are some amazing role models across the world. I just, a few months ago, had the privilege of being at Richard Branson's Island on Necker Island, got an invitation there. And uh, because they said that I could add value and I was a bit doubtful knowing who was in the room, but wow. it was amazing. Yeah. And it was amazing because there were a lot of former presidents of nations in the room. And what was interesting was the innovative way they had to come up with solutions. My, my worry, again, was that they were going to, and it wasn't just them, it was the others that were in the room having the conversation as well, but that there were uh, conversations saying this is what we should be doing as guidelines for leadership going forward. And that's where I really introduced again what I'm thinking that it's more about the lenses we use to ask questions yes. depending who's at that table. And I, I have to say, I can't say who it was, but it was with someone pretty amazing who um, we talked about getting nations at the table and having the conversation going, how do we bring peace to these nations that are in rivalry? And my question, my, my thinking behind that and something that by the end of the conversation at the beginning, it was like, no, 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 you have to do it this way. By the end of it, he was like, okay, how do we do this? And the thinking behind that is this, we have to learn to have the, all sorts of voices at the table and be okay to know that we are not all going to agree at the table and that we are probably going to disagree with maybe everything, but there may be one thing that we might agree on. And I think that if we can 
be happy that we could agree with one thing and 99 things that we disagree with, then change can be happening. And know that we disagree on everything else, but that one thing we may agree on. Yeah, it's a, one of the concepts that I learned in, in a course which is called Deep Democracy that I did as a lady from South Africa. Her name has escaped me now. And she taught me the concept of the voice of the minority. And so to make sure that everyone is, is heard, but also then if some people don't agree to, to say, well, what does it take for you to agree with us, to come along with us? And often that's such a... Um, a simple question, but that makes it completely different for the person. And it, okay, so I am being heard, um, my voice counts, and how can I now creatively come along with, with others and how can we all come to that one thing which is important for us? Well, here's, a, here's an amazing story. And, I, you know, he, to me he's an amazing role model uh, of how leadership has to think differently. And uh, the former Prime Minister, or President, sorry, of Colombia, when the FARC army were always causing grief in Colombia, there had been no peace. Many had tried before him to achieve it. And he went and tried to have conversations that wasn't working. What he realised was this one thing, and that was family is important to the FARC just as it is to us. And he went and spoke with a family. And do you know what he got? He got them to write a beautiful note to each member from one of the members of that particular family. And some of them put necklaces, chains, whatever, or something that meant something to them. And he asked the family member, can you just write to them, I know you don't want to give up war. Don't give it because it's right, yeah. but do it because I miss you, I love you, and I want you to return home. How powerful is that, right? Wow. They then put it in these bubbles and these bubbles had light in them and they put put these bubbles in the river that the FARC army were in charge of at Christmas time. It lit up the, lit up the river, right, wow. and went down and each member was given. It was this that turned them to go back. What was the one thing they all had in common? They knew the power of family. They knew the power of connection. Absolutely, a lovely story. I didn't know that story, to be honest. But thank you for sharing. <laughs> and exactly, that's that's always when there's conflict in the teams I work with. I always say, like, look at each other's needs, and and it often comes back that we all have those basic human needs. And so wonderful. And so when you were saying about you have to look as a leader through different lenses. So I think as coaches, we're quite familiar with the word lens but could you maybe explain a little bit more for those people who are not so familiar with with that yeah sure so i think that there's five lenses we should look through and we can do the the okay pathway which is the lens with intuitive intelligence emotional intelligence artificial intelligence physical intelligence social intelligence and these lenses are these lenses are great if you don't do them what they actually lead to is what i call and i think is a big epidemic throughout global leadership, which is isolation. So I think you get intuitive isolation, you get emotional isolation, artificial isolation, physical isolation, and uh, social um, isolation. What if you could take what I call, because I'm from Decision Velocity Global, so there's a bit of velocity in there, right? The speed yeah. to and uh, what if you could do the, the velocity culture pathway? In other words, use lenses that were 
um, taking intuitive intelligence and going to the next level and going immediate intelligence. What I think is if we use intuition in all the decisions that we make and we're confident with that and imagine what we can make and how can we quickly we can make those and what they would look like, right? And same with effective. If we use our emotional connection, looking at things and and seeing things and hearing and smelling, whatever it is, or the, you know, whatever the emotional side of it is, and we go into effective intelligence, then we can speed that up. And then with artificial intelligence, we cannot ignore the fact that artificial intelligence is part of our world right now and it's going to continue to be in our world. And like my children, I've got two of them back home in Sydney at the moment. I get to FaceTime. Why? Because we've got intelligence that actually can can do that right and I know that if we have the wrong one it's the isolation but if we use it to actually bring humanity and increase the growth of humanity going forward we can use that as acceleration intelligence so then it's the physical intelligence and going how do we then take physical intelligence you know there's a whole lot of brain hacking going on right now there's this uh, reality is, you know, in my past, I was in the fitness industry. I know the power of being healthy and well, and that's giving you the results of what you want, both here in your brain and then also um, being able to be, you know, at your highest potential. So to me, that's powerhouse intelligence. If we can access and, and look through the lens of that. And then it has to be said that this is my favorite. So we've got social intelligence. I get that. But what about sustainable intelligence? What if we used it not just in the immediate, not just now, but long term? What is the effect of what we're deciding, what we're doing, our products, our services, our, our thinking, our leadership? What if we look through the lens of sustainable intelligence? intelligence what kind of questions would we be asking? What kind of thing, you know, filters would we use? And how different? And to me, if you use those five um, lenses, that would create an amazing new culture, 100% for humanity going forward. Oh, that sounds so <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. And, and I'm familiar with the concept because you, you have been talking about it before, but still when I hear it, it's just a kind of mind-blowing. And I also really like the intuitive uh, intelligence and all the all the different intelligences and, and it's funny i kind of i pushed away from using intuitive intuition and intuitive and and all that but i realized that you know part of what i do out in the world part of the reasons i'm able to make decisions and help make decisions really fast for people is because i'm looking at you and there's sometimes things that you're not even saying Mm -hmm. But I know because I've seen the patterns, I've watched, I look, and because of that I can, and I need to be confident to be able to call you on that at times because if I don't, it actually will hold you back and not propel you forward. So I realise that it's an important lens and we need to look at leadership as going forward through one of those lenses. Yeah. So, so, so really one of your strengths is to help leaders make decisions fast. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what, what um, a long, long time, one, one of my mentors who had a, a, a very high position role in the, in the UN uh, taught me, and she said at the time, uh, Tilan, it's better to make a bad decision than no decision. And so um, I've always 
kept that in the back of my mind as in, yeah, sometimes you, you're not sure if the right decision, but as a leader, if you don't make a decision, that's even worse. But of course it's perfect. So if, we, if we look at that though, like that's a pretty scary concept, right? So yeah. making a bad, and as a leader, making a bad decision, like imagine how that makes you feel. So how did you feel when you were told it is better to make a bad one than not one at all? Like, and how have you got past that bit? I think I think for me that was actually it could be maybe for other people a scary concept, but for me it was a good concept because it, it took me out of that perfection mode and to be able to say, Okay, I am a leader and I need to make a decision. If I don't make a decision, and that doesn't mean I didn't consult with others, but eventually if the decision was me to make, then then at least the decision is made. So often when I work with the dysfunctional teams, what I see is that leaders don't make decisions. But when you don't make a decision, then your whole team, and if this takes a long time, your whole team, the morale drops and and you're not being respected as a leader, but but everything is, the whole energy is low. And so for me, I'm not saying it should be, I don't want to make bad decisions, but <laughs> to make no decision is is almost worse than a bad decision. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it's helped me to think, okay, if I make a mistake, I make a decision. And if it's, if it's not the right one, I can owe up to it. We can change it, but at least it's a decision and we can move forward. Yeah, I love that. I, but I think that that's awesome that you have not been so afraid of it. And I think one of the reasons is that you knew that I can either live in that afraid or go, I actually want this more. And I think that that's where the space is for you to go forward more because you go, I don't want to stay in this, even though it might might have been a scared moment at one point. It's not now because actually I'm more afraid of not doing what I'm meant to do or of not moving the, in my case, shifting the dial that 1% uh, than I am staying in, you know, because actually I'm naturally an introvert. So for me having to come out of my shell, yeah. I, you know, I, I fought with this for a long time where I was like the secret source behind a lot of amazing people. But I, and I was challenged because they said, you could do this in such a big way. And I go, yeah, but that means I have to come out of the shower. That means I have to be in the face of people and, you know, things like that. And it's like, yeah, for me to share it in a bigger way, that's really important. So the fear of me staying in that shower, being in there, looking over here and being the secret source is actually worse than not leaving the legacy that I want to leave behind for humanity. So I, I guess it, it, that that's what, what came to my mind. It's about the impact you want to make. So, um, and, and that's definitely something that I always get from you, that you're really keen to make an impact and, 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 and a legacy and that you also dare to not only dream big and you have made it big already <laughs> with, with your okay. I don't think so, but, you know, it's just one step forward at a time. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, but it's also the, the the holistic approach about humanity, and 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 not, and exactly that's what I was hearing you say. Don't just think about the here and now, but think about the bigger picture, and think about the sustainable intelligence, and think about your vision, and and what what you are doing today will have an impact for the next generations to come. Well, you think about this, right? Even in your own world, if you were if you were feeling depressed or, or um, tired or, you know, worried or anything like that, 
if you had to get up out of that moment and get up for yourself, what's the motivation? I don't know for you, but that would be pretty minimal for me. But if it means that I'm going to maybe change one person's life or have, you know, give someone the right space or platform or, or um, to have a voice or to be able to advocate for someone, that motivates me to get up. That motivates me beyond my own walls, my own limitations and my own excuses or, or to actually go, it's all not about me. It's actually about what I can, you know, bring and add value to going forward. Yeah, and it's a bit what they say. If if you're if you're feeling if you're not feeling well, the best thing you can do is go and help someone else. Because okay. <laughs> by doing that, you're helping yourself uh, and 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 add value. Absolutely. Don't you think that's what leaders? If if leadership is to lead, then isn't that what leading is? Just one step forward, one step forward, one step forward in in leading the way, being a model. Absolutely. And also trying to influence other people's lives. And that's what I think is so amazing about being a leader is to, to try and help other people see the potential in themselves that they not always see and to, to, to watch people grow into leaders that you know they can be and, and to follow that path and not just be a leader but create a whole bunch of new leaders. So tell me more about the influence. I find that interesting because sometimes there's pushback on influence, right? If I think of, I hear that word, the first immediate is there's some bad influences out there. There's people trying to to use ego, what I believe, what I call ego leadership, to to run the world in their way or whatever it is in their space. And then there's others that can use, and I love working with, you know, influencers that are actually wanting to bring the impact into the world. But what's the difference, and is there a fine line between the two? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, <laughs> so, so I, guess, I guess when I work as a mediator and when I work with dysfunctional teams and, and, and I'm not wanting to put any, any clients on the spot now, but what I often see is that, that it's all about bad influence and it's about um, spreading the toxicity and so on. And that's why I really like that I'm doing both tiers because I am working as a mediator, but I also work as a coach in helping people reach their full potential. So whilst in conflict you see the negative influence, I think in coaching you can see how how you can have a positive influence and how... Um, and, and that's maybe me, where I'm coming from is that I have them myself and I see that a, a, a lot, that people have those beliefs and self-limiting beliefs and how you can help people um, pass through that. And I know that when I was a young leader, um, I had an older employee and when I left, he said to me, oh, I just want to thank you because you saw in me what I didn't see in me. And, yeah. and, and that for me was, was the biggest compliment I had had until that time in my career as a leader because that's how I, I want to see it as a positive thing. But I agree with you. There's so many egos out there and so many uh, leaders who have a completely different concept of leadership from me and who think leadership is about ordering people or showing status and, 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 and telling people what to do yeah. and 
um, having people follow me instructions to me that is not leadership. Which is why I love, and that's why I brought up the whole influence side of it when you were saying it or being an influencer because there's this sometimes the bad connotation to it. What I love about it is if you can influence and use your influence is what I'm about um, to actually create a domino effect. The more that there are more people doing it, the more it's likely to actually catch on and, you know, that be the thing that wins out. I go, imagine darkness, light, you know, and light being the the influencer that is bringing the good to the world. When you turn that light on, that darkness cannot exist. And I know it's such a simple thing, but I'm so visual that that my brain goes, okay, let's just keep turning lights on, a bit like sending that light down that river, you know, with that message inside. Let's be that light that triggers that out into the world and, um, you know, put out some of this darkness that's happening across the world because there is darkness happening and, and that comes to leaders using their platforms to be the change and, and to impact in a big way. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 and I think you're right there and, and there is some darkness out there and it's 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 no use in denying that um, but it's about holding people accountable as well and also I think sometimes when you were talking about the light in the dark sometimes you see people coming into the room and they they have a glow to them and you can see as, as a leader they are special and people are attracted to, to, to their light often when you see leaders who have a negative influence um, you can almost see that as well, and you can see that, that people are are scared and do not want to engage with those people. So it, that that is very interesting. But it also goes to leadership not not being a position because you can maybe not have a title as a leader, but what I often see in organizations that you can still step up into this role model leadership role even though you don't have a title and help change culture what what's your thoughts about that i think you know it goes back to that question can all of us be leaders i think we can all lead in our life and that can look at different degrees just like we are meant to lead our world in our scale in other words my lane is going to be different to your lane and I need to know what that lane is. I need to know what that scale is. I play at a big level. I mean, I literally travel the world at global faces on the communities and then at big top decision tables. I do that. I don't expect other people to do that. That's what I'm meant to be doing. And I'm really clear on what I'm meant to be doing. And I'm really clear what I'm not meant to do. And I think if we know what our scale is, if we know what lane we're running in, as leaders, then we can lead in whatever way that is. Now, that looks at being a mom in, you know, in the in the household. Well, guess who's looking up to you to be a role model? Those children that are your children, right? And so even as a mom, that's a role model. You can lead in that. If you are running, you know, a retail shop, companies, businesses of all different levels, it is going to look different. You know, I and I'm really strong. I mean, one of the things that I'm working on big time is, you know, how your culture is in, in your company versus what the result is. And, I, you know, that comes to me. One of the important things that I see is that there has been a tendency in the past that sales is much more important. Sorry to all the salespeople out there. 
I love you, <laughs> but you're no more important than that person that is cleaning that bathroom when someone is walking into that company because if that bathroom and that executive goes out of that meeting into that bathroom, sees that it's not nice, do you know what they're going to remember? They won't remember all the other things. They'll go, that wasn't clean or that was disgusting or you know what I mean? Yes. Like we have got to stop putting this and that and everything else as levels and go, it's about you, your race, you doing it well. And I think no matter where you are, you can lead well if you choose to. And all of us influence in some way, in some shape, at some level in our world. And, you know, that's leadership. Absolutely. That's a wonderful, wonderful quote. And that's exactly how I see it. Is Even if you don't lead anyone, you're still leading yourself, I always say. So you have to have those leadership qualities. So um, do you have any, any last um, tips for people and how they can increase their own confidence in their leadership and in their positive influence, if I can say it that way? Yeah, sure. I think it goes down to having, like I said, creating conversations, so the willingness to have people at the table that are going to be the right people. I think we need to then ask the right questions. And, you know, sometimes that means disrupting patterns and it's not comfortable, but we need to learn to be able to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, to take risks, innovate new solutions and I believe the solution to what is the isolation happening across, you know, um, leadership, global leadership, is that we need to then collaborate in a way that creates a new culture for humanity, 100% for humanity. And that's what I think, collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. That will build confidence. You are great and strong on your own as a leader. But imagine if you joined forces. Imagine if it wasn't so individual and more of a collaborative. How would that look? What result could that have across and impacting leadership? That also builds your confidence as, as a leader, as an individual leader, but as a collaborative. And uh, it's hard to, like I said, it's hard to, you can let yourself down, but if you're a part of something bigger than yourself, it's not very nice feeling if you have to let other people down at the same yeah, time. Exactly. And and I, I absolutely love those tips. And I really do see the isolation uh, as well. And that's why I started the Leaders Den community because because I think a lot of leaders are doing it rough on their own. And yeah. they, and, and they should be collaborating more, but they are working so hard that they 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 forget to make the time to to connect with others and when they do um magic happens so uh so that's great so well this this was a wonderful conversation and i really feel you know like yes i'm going to go forward to yeah help humanity as well so so last question kiri marie where can people find you and and learn more about you uh, I think if anyone looks on social media, they'll see me either on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, or Facebook. But you can always send me an email at concierge at 
decisionvelocityglobal.com. And, you know, I'd love to hear from people and begin a conversation to see how we could collaborate going forward. But, you know, it's been such a privilege to be here. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much. And we will put all those details uh, in the notes. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your enthusiasm, your wisdom and and your humanity and and keep doing the great work that you are doing. And I know um, you're inspiring so many people and um, it's it's great to know that people like you are trying to make the world a better place. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the Leaders Den Podcast. Found this episode valuable? Sign up for this podcast and be sure to visit theleadersden.com to learn more about our academy, other courses, and coaching programs. And while you're there, sign up for our free Dealing with Difficult Staff Members online course. The Leaders Den, helping you grow into a leader people want to follow and are inspired by.